Fresher final Thomas Beauregard Scoops is with us. One, Tom, thanks for being here. Two, uh, who is your pick to win MLS Cup? Right off the top. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Oh, I thought I was going to get the filibuster more. I'm going to be boring and say Cincinnati. I get it. I know that it's unlikely to happen with another Shield uh, Cup duo, repeat, whatever. But, like, we go with Cincy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, this is our playoff preview. Everyone listening on Spotify, Apple, whatever, right? Uh, we will have a Q&A at the end of this. That'll be over on Patreon, patreon.com slash five stripe final. But first, we got to thank Kurt Castle for the intro of the song's chances. Check him out anywhere you, you Kurt. get music. Thanks, Kurt. And go ahead, of course, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash five final. And of course, check out Lucid FC. Right, Joe Patrick? Yes, absolutely. Uh, they've got a drop shop event on October 28th. It's part of their football launch shirt or their football shirt launch that we've talked about uh, the last couple episodes, uh, including a Halloween surprise from some of the Dungeon family talent and crew members. So definitely check that out at their store. It's at 1085 Howell Mill Road, uh, which is their new address. Uh, and again, it's introducing Lucid FC's 2023 football shirt. The new Lucid FC football club shirt takes its texture from halftone artwork, builds together to form a larger picture using digital art inspired by Y2K fashion. I didn't know Y2K was its own fashion genre, but today I learned. Often described as a global mashup, they blend a fusion of vintage and ethnic clothing through fabrication serving as a reference to numerous subcultures to recreate the old and create the future. A red finish and a nod to Barbie core, the Lucid Club football shirts are able to contain a certified street step and oversized baggy shape. And if you want to learn more about what they look like, you can check them out on their website at lucidfc.us. And you can use DSS, of course, as your season-long promo code for free shipping within the United States. Not if you're in Perth or... Anywhere else far away. Only Perth. <laughs> we we found out that that is the the city farthest away. The big the the, the like the large like uh-huh. the biggest the or the farthest large city away from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Today yeah. I learned that too. Yeah. We actually have a listener in Australia. I don't know if y'all knew that, but we do. Shout a out to that person, listener. right? Yeah. Shout out to Y two K fashion Perth. too. Whatever that means. It sounds post apocalyptic, but you know what? That could be hot. Who knows? <laughs> Tom, Laney United, big summer transfer window, obviously. Uh, curious from your perspective as a national writer with the Athletic, what have you kind of made uh, of this team over the last few weeks and heading into postseason in particular? Yeah, I will say that I, you know, I remain very optimistic and very big on the work that this group did in the summer. Um, they brought in, I think, four new starters plus uh, Abram finally started starting. So the mm-hmm. way that they're viewing it as five new starters or whatever the mm-hmm. number off the top of my head, I might be wrong. But look, Tristan Miomba is somebody that this team has been lacking three seasons now, maybe like, I don't know, since, since Tata, like it's, it's been a glaring need that they've continued to overlook because Rosetto is not that type of player. Don't think still very surprised that rosetto has got his contract option picked up. Like we've talked about. <laughs> I know that you guys have talked about a hundred times, but it's just as baffling as it was. He still needs to be said. So look, they, they brought in uh, Lobotinitse, who they they tried really, really hard to make sure to, to structure it as 
a DP deal that they could buy down. That was huge. That was the most important because they, you know, they'll keep saying Tiago Amato would, would age out of the young DP in 2025. And like, we would love him if he's still here, like breaking news, you know, 99% sure he's not going to be here. So the fact that Lobojanice can be bought down means that you don't have to go and find a young DP number 10 to replace Tiago, replace Tiago Amato. I mean, you can be a, a senior DP to replace Amato, which is the MO of what Garth Lagaway has done in Seattle when you look at uh, Nico Ladero and Raul Ruiz Diaz in prime key designated players. So, But the work that they did right now to make this team better, they went from pretty entertaining, and and look, it, it's great to watch Tiago Amato and Giorgio Giacomakis at all times, no matter what, to like actually, you know, maybe not contenders because they just played three playoff teams and, and didn't pick up a win in any of those last three games and against the class of the East. Um, but, like, they, they're they actually a serious playoff team right now. Look, like, Dante Silva didn't love what his profile looked like. I think he played for a ton of teams. I hadn't watched him play. He gets here. He plays, you know, whatever. Within his first 100 minutes, it's like, oh, this dude can play. And, like, they have a purchase option on him. That's all set. Like, I cannot say enough nice and positive things about what they did in the summer transfer window, both in the players, how they got better immediately, and did not sacrifice long-term flexibility, which – was always the rub with this team. Even when they got better, it was just short-term fixes. And, hey, we'll figure it out down the road. Oh, Marcelino Moreno is going to be a DP. Wait, we need to bring in another DP. What can we do to make him not a DP? And, and then, you know, you're just kicking things down the road and creating future problems. This is the healthiest the cap sheet has been in a long time. That all being said, there are some numbers, y'all. We didn't get a chance to talk about this the other day. I don't think on the on the main show, but there are some numbers. I and mean, if you are subscribed to the Patreon, you already know this because we wrote about it, but... There's been one team in MLS that's been worse defensively than Atlanta United since the summer transfer window. One. It's Toronto FC. They stopped playing soccer oh. in July. Right? <laughs> that's oh. that's a disaster. It, look, obviously, there are a bunch of different uh, factors going into this. A very tough schedule coming down the stretch. Uh, it's been a very open style of play. We'll put it that way. Uh, a lot of really good teams, really good attacking teams at the same time. Atlanta's giving up a ton of chances and frankly got lucky down the stretch that teams just weren't putting shots on frame against Brad Gazan, right? It, all those issues are still there going into the playoffs where the team can't really defend that well. Uh, goalkeeping ended up being second worst in the league by post shot XG per 90. Not great. Not great. I, I think we have to kind of qualify everything we say about the tack with, but this is a struggle bus defensively. I, I do think that's fair. And that's why I was trying to at least pepper in some realism and, and maybe a little bit of pessimism. I know that I kind of went over the top there with, with positives that like, look in their last three games of the season against probably the three best teams in the East, um, Columbus, Philly, and Cincinnati. They won none of those games. They kept no clean sheets. Again, the, the Columbus result in particular was a very like Columbus should have been up three nil by the end of that game. And, and they weren't, yeah. but look, man, like, they hung around in all those games. They didn't get blown out. I know we're not doing moral victories or whatever, but like, <laughs> I still see them like, and, and again, maybe I'm, I'm a little too forgiving because anybody in the top seven in the East outside of new England, and even then, like if you get me a couple beers and make your case really hard for Carlos <laughs> yeah. Hill and everything else, be like, all right, like I'm in, but like everybody else in the top seven, including Nashville who have been shut out in four of the last five games, you can talk me in a scenario. And I think that speaks more to, the nature of MLS and the nature of these playoffs that just got more complicated. But like, I didn't think that on June 1st or what July 1st for this Atlanta team. And I did think that coming out of the summer transfer window. So anything, and, and that's also another reason why I thought it was 
as important or probably more important, honestly, that the future flexibility was preserved as well. What, because again, like pushing all in for a, you know, a title run or whatever right now would be silly if it came at the cost of future flexibility. Yeah. It's tough because I mean, a lot of what you've been saying here, Tom is like, you know, the positives about this team right now, are they're in a better shape going forward? So it's like a, it's more of like a long term in, in the longer term, they're in a much more positive direction but it's still it's one just one of those awkward things for the club as it stands right now where it's like they're just while they're in better position and clearly they've added talent and they're in a better position on the field as well since the the transfer window they're just still a few pieces away from really being able to consider themselves title contenders and it's something that Sam has said you know it's like the team before the team it feels like you know it's like you're you're setting yourself up for what will hopefully be a team that's a lot more well-rounded, like some of these other teams. It just feels like Atlanta United, they're certainly strong in some areas, but again, yeah, it's like, it's hard to win MLS Cup when you have some of the deficiencies that they have on the field. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. And again, I know that sometimes I can come across as like, like I don't view seasons as binary, as there's only one winner. And like, I know, you know, football guys would be like, you sound like a soft soccer player loser that like, no, there is only one winner. Everybody else is sad. Like taking a step back, I think looking at the, like, Again, the Atlanta United expectations are always high. But, like, looking at this team at the beginning of the season, it was like, ooh, like, I don't know how this is going to go. Like, (laughs) maybe not quite Toronto, but, like, there was a realistic scenario where they were, like, 12th because the defensive divisions were so bad. And Tiago Amada on June 1st said, dear God, get me out of here. I'm done, right? Like, yeah. so the fact that there's six in the East, it's a strong Eastern Conference, to be fair, as well. Like, if this was a down year, they could have been further up the the table. And, again, that these are things out of their control this it wouldn't be a better season if, you know, the Philadelphia Union were worse because those these are things that don't have anything to do with what the front office and the coaching staff are doing. But just to put it in perspective, like, I, I'm i on the record saying I think this is a pretty good season for LA. And, like, I don't know what would need to happen in the playoffs for me to, if they get, like, absolutely, like, shattered by Columbus maybe, but, like, Columbus has killed a few teams. Like, I don't know. Like, this has been a competitive year. Well, I'm glad you're saying it because uh, I do feel like there is that that kind of mentality with a lot of Atlanta United fans, and maybe it's particular to Atlanta United fans because they have seen this team kind of be at the very pinnacle of mm. the of the league in the not so distant um, past. But um, I think it is worth just saying explicitly that you know this 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 team is headed in a positive direction and. You can still have a fun time, you know, watching the team, even if they're not, you know, rolling teams week in, week out, like maybe they have in the past. You know, there are still things like um, I was about to, like, you just want to like be proud of like what and and have a good time watching your team, watching your team play. And uh, I think you, if you ask a lot of Atlanta United fans, I would say they certainly are having a much better yeah. time watching them than they were. Second most goals in the league, they had my votes for both Young Player of the Year in Thiago Amada and Newcomer of the Year in Georgia Giacomakis. I think both of them are the favorites for those categories. And like that, again, you don't you don't hang a trophy banner. You don't have a parade for newcomer of the year. But like, look, man, it can be a lot worse. It's, it's kind of just yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Does everyone listening feel warm and fuzzy now? Do y'all feel, <laughs> right. yeah. do y'all feel okay? Are you in a good headspace? Because it's time to talk about the rest of it. <laughs> 2-2 draw against Cincinnati over the weekend. Tiago Almada with one of the doing, dumbest man? plays in Atlanta United Ooh. history. Off-ball I, I foul. I can't recall a much dumber play. 
I, I can't like, put sports, anything like, like, <laughs> in the same like, stratosphere. You have one job. You have yeah. one job when you go out there on the on decision day when there's not a lot riding on it, and it's to not get yourself sent off. He, I mean, he didn't even earn it. Like if it had been something like <laughs> he goes in hard for a challenge and like, oh, right. that was like aggressive, and now he's out there just doing his best, like we all try to do day to day. <laughs> nah, man, he he was just sitting there and for no reason, for no reason. I can't think of a dumber moment on the field in Atlanta United history and maybe gosh man I'm trying I try to think through MLS fouls I've seen that have been quite that dumb there was a foul last year in the RSL Austin game that totally flipped things around it was just a I think it was just a ridiculous the game yeah yes the ruby were being i think it might have yeah. been dogzo or something like that anyway it flipped the game no, it was the second, the second yellow i think he would kick the kick the goalkeeper after the goalkeeper already picked the ball whatever ah, it was perfect it was, yeah it was it was like what do you do? yeah like you said dogzo had been like oh like that sucked but at least he was trying to prevent a goal scoring opportunity it's like yeah. no i got a second yellow for kicking the goalkeeper on a ball he was never gonna get to. <laughs> so um, I, so we yeah. can put Almada there right uh obviously huge for this upcoming series against columbus they're is totally a timeline where this team goes like hyper nuclear in attack and runs over everybody and, and maybe yeah. gets to MLS cup, but it gets a lot harder when you're playing with your hand behind your back in your very first game. Yeah. Yeah. I think like if this was again, any other, most other years, if like if this was last year and this was a one game sample, this would be the dominant storyline going into the playoffs. Like the, you know, some uh, potential MVP finalist, one of the best players in the league, got like an extremely dumb red card, and now in a one-game sample size, it's not going to be available. I guess the way that you, the way that you try to cope on this is be like, well, you know, probably weren't going to win in Columbus anyway. You know, game two was going to be the real game that that has was a must-win. Like, so I've kind of gone back and forth in my mind what what I'd do if I'd Gonzalo Pineda. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you guys set up? What do you do? You, do you because like that's the thing too with Columbus is that. They could be had in attack. It'd be mm, pretty nice yeah. to have Tiago Amada out there. Like right. you, could, you could steal the one game in Columbus with Amada. And I guess not to say 100% that they can't, but those chances go go way down. So how would you guys play? Would you be trying to set up defensively and play on the break? And, you know, hey, maybe there's PKs. Or do you think Columbus seems too good to sit deep against? Yeah, I mean, my my thoughts immediately go back to the, you know, when they won MLS Cup in 2018, their first game in that playoffs was at, NYCFC at Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. and that's the first time we saw that them change the shape and go with yeah. the five at the back um played Julian Gressel and mid- actually I don't even remember if he played in midfield in the- he probably did yeah, yeah. but anyway I just, they just, I just like, remember went- Eric Rometty assaulting the, the yep. exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly they actually yeah they actually created some things off of uh yeah some corners and stuff like that I mean just kind of happened to have some breaks there but um that's my that's my thought is maybe maybe without Tiago it really gets you in the mindset of like let's just go up there and defend our asses off and try to get this thing to nil nil and give ourselves a shot at penalties. What are you thinking, Sam? I'm terrified of that because we talked <laughs> it about it before, like a, right? About this team's ability to defend <laughs> yeah. in their own box and attack the ball yeah, in their yeah. own box and everything like that. It's not ideal. That team, that 2018 team had personnel like Jeffrey Lenowitz and Michael Parker, Stanley Andre Gonzalez Perez, yeah. and, and other folks who were a little more let's call them stout than Mateus Asetu and company, right? It it gets a little dicey when you're trying to flip the game model on its head almost for this one game and then survive without the personnel to do it. At the same time, I don't know what else you do. Yeah. So I think you won me. I think you won me over with the idea of going five to the back. Cause then you have maybe five, two, three or five, two, two, one, however you want to frame it. And then like, 
So Brooks Lennon is attacks more, but there's still another mm-hmm. center back to kind of lean back on because I don't know, man, like this club, his team is too good. And Atlanta is yeah. not good enough at bunkering that. Yeah. I, I don't know. That has a recipe for this. Sounds like a good idea. Hey, well maybe keep it close, get the penalties or whatever, if we need to. And then like, it's the 21st minute and Cucho Hernandez has scored on his fourth shot. <laughs> you know, so. And am I right in that Columbus typically plays with three at the back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, and if you you know the 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 very um, kind of broad based uh, non specific soccer analysis is that if you match up the formations, you're more likely for it to just kind of be a stalemated game. And 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 you know they were taking advantage of Atlanta United on the flanks and some of those wide areas, yeah. especially with Julian Gressel uh, in that game that they played recently. Mm-hmm. So maybe that would help them to that effect. I would say it also helps Atlanta. Again, we're just like thinking of how to how ways to cope here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to have a, a striker like Yorgos, who he he is one of those strikers who can just like score in a corner, which yeah. has not happened regularly, you know, uh, with any regularity in Atlanta for a long, long time. So he's <laughs> he's one of those he's one of those strikers who can just because of his physicality can just kind of pull a goal out of his ass, which sometimes you really need in this kind of setup. Atlanta has played a back three a few times this season. It, yeah. It's happened. It, they do have some personnel there. It probably involved maybe Ronald Hernandez. And that back three True. as well, which yeah. could be interesting. Um, there's maybe the potential that you could shift like Saba over and do something with that. Maybe mascara on the wing, put Saba in the yeah, middle. Yeah, if, if you want to keep the four two three one, I, I, that would be nice. If you wanted to, right? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe yeah. there's a timeline where Nick Firmino somehow is like eligible to get called it's up gone. on a like I, I don't <laughs> know. Um, but a, a midfield trio of like a Marseille, Mateus is set to interest in is is a recipe for disaster. I think it it can't be that. But I have a bad feeling that it might be that. You know? <laughs> yeah, not ideal. Yeah. Not ideal. Not, not ideal. It's not it's not what you it's not it's not what they drew up in you know January when they were putting the, the roster together when they were going to preseason. The other thing I would add too is it seems to me that when this team plays like negatively, when they when they try to play this deeper block, I think Braguzan is even worse um, because he he really struggles when he has a crowded box with a, with a lot of players in front of him and is really doing a lot of trying to react to things. Like he's he's at his best when Atlanta's really controlling the game and he can like have some more time to read things and you know deal with maybe some one on one situations or, or something you just don't want him trying to like play um, this kind of like instinctual athletic goalkeeping game because uh, that's just not the strength at this point in time for him. Especially not against a Columbus team. That's been very, very good all season. We can go ahead and kind of take a look at them and tell you guys that of course they've been extremely, extremely proficient in attack all season. They created a ton of chances. I believe they're the only team in MLS with more goals than Atlanta United. I don't know yeah. for sure. Off the top yeah. of my head, but I think and, that's right. And- yeah, no, it is 100% correct. And like, again, these, this was my, I think Columbus is my favorite team to watch in the league. Yeah. And Atlanta yeah. is very, very high up on, like, I want to want to put that out there as well. Less so without Tiago Amada, but like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so, this is the, the first round match uh, series that, again, even without Amada in the first game, this is still the series that I'm, I'm most looking forward to and most excited for. Tom, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about what Columbus has been doing this year from both just a, a team-wide perspective, a personnel perspective, a tactics perspective. What have you kind of noticed from this team? It's been kind of a tale of two halves almost for them in the sense that you have the start of the year with Lucas Elrion and, and things shift mm-hmm. once he leaves. Yeah, so I think a good way to liken it is to think of FC Cincinnati season last year, but mm-hmm. a little bit better because the starting point was a little bit higher. Um, Wilfred Nance took over, changes the system. There is incredible 
improvements from guys who were already in the team. Alexandre Matan was about to be borderline let go for free to a random Romanian team that he was on loan at. And then Nancy said, let me just let, don't make a decision until he goes to preseason. Like the Romanian transfer window is still open to just, you know, and this is one example. He's been phenomenal for them. He's been so much fun. Christian Ramirez wasn't playing out for Houston. Like when they, they acquired him in the LAFC, he was never really a, re- a regular starter. I've always rated him to be fair. Yeah. Uh, but he's been awesome for this team. Cucho Hernandez. We already know how awesome he was. Like now he's like, best i have in my best 11 like the what what wilford nance has done over the last three years between columbus and montreal look at all the different attackers who have had their best season ever under him like george Mihailovic, romo kyoto and now you know four different people in columbus like it is so much fun the way this team plays they they set up in it's a three nominally a three four two one and the the front three is particularly if chris ramirez isn't one of the three if like cucho is technically the nine it is so free-flowing, wide open. Again, just so much fun in letting Diego Rossi, Cucho Hernandez cook, and then whether the third is Matan or Chris Ramirez, which I think that they're better with Ramirez. Um, the thing that made them different was they couldn't defend for anything first half of the season, like Cincinnati last year in the first half of the season, which made them fun as hell. And they're still fun as hell. Um, but then they they did they kept Patrick Schulte in goal. Eloy Room was cooked. Transferred Eloy Room, right? Um, they added Rudy Camacho as a, an actor before Rudy Camacho came in. They were playing a back three with zero natural center backs, which was the most fun thing. I, I was like, how are they continuing to defend at all? Like, and not it, every game should be losing 3 2 or whatever. Um, so they went the, their summer, made them from a really fun team and, and cool to watch to like a serious actual contender. I think definitely ahead of Atlanta in the pecking order and the tiers for the Eastern Conference. What they did in the end of the summer transfer window, going from Lucas Elrion, who was having probably his best season, and again, this is a former MLS Cup MVP, uh, to Diego Rossi, and doing that within a couple, like simultaneously negotiating both deals and being able to get that over the line. Elrion was awesome. One of his problems is he turned the ball over too much in bad spots, which Mm. is fine because of how many special plays he made. That's a trade-off you make. The difference, as I was talking to people around the club with Rossi and why that they're excited, is one, he's younger, obviously. He's, he, he's again, he, he's just about the same caliber or, or pedigree or resume in this league as Zellerayan had. Um, again, younger, fits a little bit better, and he doesn't have that same rate of turnovers. He doesn't have the same rate of, like, you know, 35-yard goals or whatever. But, like, now they don't get hit as hard in transition in part because of that. So this team went from... Again, fun, entertaining, pretty good, going to annoy some teams, but not really serious to like, I could absolutely see them coming out of the Eastern Conference this year. You know, for me, honestly, I'd, I'd put them second favorite blind since They say went the from thing. Atlanta yeah. United to uh, hopefully Atlanta United next year. <laughs> yeah. <they're... laughs> to put it in terms. <laughs> there there are a lot of cops. It's interesting to kind of look at it. But yeah, no, I, I think for me, they're the second favorite coming out of this conference. And Yeah, it's, uh, and, and, and I didn't even mention that it, Julian Gressel, oh, yeah, like that they, guy? they yeah. took the yeah. they took the league's best attack and then added Julian Gressel in the summer transfer window, and it was like the third most impressive thing that they did. Just right. Because it's just <laughs> the only thing, the only I think the knock there is that, why, and I've said this about now three different teams. Why in the hell haven't they signed him to a new contract yet? Like, um, he's going to be a free agent. We'll see if he stays or if he goes. But like, I thought that they were just going to, you know, we we're ninety five percent sure this is going to work out really well. But let's just give it a couple weeks and make sure it does work out that well. And okay, here's a lot of money. Don't don't test free agency. So I'm surprised that that hasn't happened. Again, he still very well may stay there, but 
I think that's the only knock on a trade is that he's not under a new four-year contract. <laughs> Julian, come home. Um, <laughs> they have gotten better defensively. There's still a weird tendency to give up yeah. goals late. Uh, yeah. It's kind of carried over from last year's disaster with that and what ended up being the, the death knell for, for Caleb Porter. Uh, but it, it's happened a few times. It happened against Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. So if there is some it kind of like, like weakness there, it, it might be there. Other than Definitely. that, scary-ass team. Really, really scary team to, to go up against. But in a way, almost a, a decent matchup for Atlanta. Like, if you're going to get in a shootout, like, you might as well face a team that uh, wants to be open, right? Exactly. Exactly. Like, again, like, they don't they don't know how to play any other way. And Like, I was a little critical of them for that. Or, uh, like, when they played play against the Red Bulls um, earlier in the season. So this was before Columbus got, I guess, to this kind of stage of where they are. And, like, they were... Again, I understand why they did it. You stay true to your principles, particularly in May in MLS soccer. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to, you don't really have to like go dogmatic for a random May soccer game against the New York Red Bulls. But like they're trying to play out through the most pressing team in the league who had demonstrated for several years now, per- particularly worse last year <laughs> and this year, that they could not create anything without the press. And they were pretty good defensively. Um, and they were still trying to play out through it. And I respected them for that, except like I think they went long a handful of times. It was like the first time in a while and they got a defensive mistake and, and scored up the Red Bulls. It's like, oh, yeah, like not only do, can you take away their ability to create anything by not trying to play out through, like, hey, sometimes you can go route one, it works. But, like, if they don't do that against the Red Bulls, they're not going to do that against anybody, let alone Atlanta United. So, again, it's going to be wide open. There will be transition moments, though they've gotten better at that, as I was saying. But, like, this this series will be wide open. And, I'm, like, when that, when that Columbus-Atlantic game recently ended 1-1, I thought for sure that was going to be a, a random 4-3 MLS, like, September game. Like, I thought... <laughs> I was like, there's only two goals. That's about six too short. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Bit lucky on that one. I think there were like 30 shots in that game. But uh, Tom, oh, yes. I, I think they might have been saving some goals for this one. I'd put the over <laughs> under at like nine and a half goals in this series. W- what are you thinking there? Do we go over there? Com- are you saying combined or just Columbus? Yeah, the whole just thing. Columbus. <laughs> just Columbus? <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, we're not far off. They put up six on Atlanta United at the start of the year. Um, the good news on that one, guys, the good, before everyone freaks out about that one, uh, I don't think they're going to play Franco Barra in a single pivot in this one. Gut call. I think they're missing call. seven players from that team. Yeah. Like seven starters. Noah Cobb started. Baby child yeah, Noah, Noah Cobb. Started. Uh, what a long, that was what, March, dudes. Oh, my God. Season's too and long. Look at some of the names. I remember, I, I remember exactly oh. where I was. <laughs> Dude, hold on. I'm like, there's at least three players in this crew lineup that have zero percent chance of playing only one of which is because of an injury wow uh didn't go well didn't go well um oops oh well um yeah no gonna be a tough one for atlanta united if they advance in this one they will face the winder of orlando in nashville tom i'm having a tough time kind of getting a read on this one because it is nashville but they've also been totally atrocious in attack the last few weeks. I mean, you said it earlier in the show, four of the last five games, shutouts. Uh, Honey isn't rolling. Sam Surridge hasn't improved in any real reasonable way over the last few games. I think he finally found the net for the first time a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and and New England promptly stopped playing that formation. and like Right. (laughs) Something must be wrong. Yeah. Hasn't been great. Hasn't been great. At the same time, Orlando is this team who uh, they've been the hottest team in the league on points per game, even better than yeah. Cincinnati over the last 17, yep. 18 games. 
at the same time the underlying numbers have them way way closer to the middle of the pack they've been about 1.45 expected points per game instead of like the two points per game they've actually earned it's a weird (laughs) one to kind of assess and i don't really know what's going to happen other than to say that nashville is going to sit back and try to make this as ugly as possible i assume that gary smith's wet dream is three nil nils or two nil nils <laughs> winning on pk exactly. yeah, like, totally. to win mls cup without totally winning an actual though. game yeah yeah and and so that's the thing i keep coming back to is like when i preview this if they weren't if they again weren't shut out in four of the last five games honey has two goals since june not great Golly, um yeah. wow if, i didn't realize it those, was that bad if one of those two things honestly were different, like even if they were, if like if Hani looked better, even like in the last five games when they were getting shut out, this would be the most popular like upset pick. Like not even just in this series, but maybe to like go deep as like due to like how can I zag? Nashville, I trust them. They're a tournament team, and like that's that's absolutely a realistic outcome. But I keep on pushing back that like yo like maybe maybe they just don't have it right now, right? Like again, like you look at all the players in that team and and you take that that style like everything about them screams like they're going to be annoying as hell in the playoffs and and make a run and and they have in the last couple years they made the run in league's cup to the final where they lost the penalties in miami um but like look if we're just looking at recent there's other than that of just saying yeah i think that's possible there's nothing that they've done in the last five to ten games that makes you think this is going to happen with any sort of likelihood so again like it's a cop-out to say yeah i can see it happening because i think that we all can it's just like just looking at the form. Like if they get eliminated by Orlando in two games, it'll be really easy to be like, obviously, look at the mm-hmm. you know look at the form or whatever. And the same way that if Nashville gets through on like penalty, in a couple penalties or whatever, Hani has two really good games. It's going to be really easy to look back and say, obviously that happened. Why? Like of course we should have seen that coming. So it's one of these those weird series where there's a wide range of outcomes. As I get older, I realize that playoffs in, in any sport are less about which team is actually good at the sport. And yeah. which it's more about which team has the better vibes. And right now, Nashville <laughs> doesn't doesn't have any of it. And Orlando yeah. has Duncan Great McGuire, point. sombreroing Michael Bradley and, and you know, sombrero him to Norway. Yeah, <laughs> send him, him away for good. It, it's a different feel. Just, it's a different feel for Orlando right now. I'm just looking I, I Nashville has not scored in four of their last five games. Like, yeah, it's bad. It's insane. Where, where have I heard that before? <laughs> oh, you said that earlier. Uh, twice. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> That's okay. So it's, okay. I'm just too wrapped up. I'm just too wrapped up looking at the fixture list. Like, oh my, how does this happen? <laughs> well, look, if, uh, if Orlando advances and Atlanta United advances, that's going to be a whole ass mess. Uh, the internet, as we know it, probably changed forever. Uh, it could be the thing this rivalry honestly needs. It, it needs a little bit of a spark right now. The romance is dead. They're kind of sitting on the couple's counseling couch just kind of awkwardly. There's there's no passion, right? Maybe a playoff series gets things rolling <laughs> with that. Uh, Atlanta would not well be favored. Done. Atlanta would not be favored. I don't think uh, Orlando's put in a really solid year. and Somehow found another elite striker in the Super Draft. I don't know how they keep pulling it off. Unreal. Unreal. Elsewhere in the East, you have FC Cincinnati taking on the wild card winner between the New York Red Bulls and Charlotte FC. The obvious pick here is Cincy, but Tom, you're a New Jersey dude. I'm going to tell you right now, the case for Red Bulls actually doing something here isn't totally far-fetched. Again, this is this is just a worse version of the Nashville argument because the Red Bulls <laughs> are worse and they don't have Hani Mukhtar. They don't even have Sam Surridge. Like, their starting center forward is Tom Barlow and Elias Manuel, who have five goals between the two of them in like 
4,000 minutes, like something like that. Luquinhos had two goals against the corpse of Toronto FC. But before that, I think he went like 35 MLS games where he had like <laughs> two goal contributions. Like, yeah, like their defense is elite. Expect the hell out of that. It's just like, I think that they would give Cincy more trouble just because of that. Like, I think if they play Cincy plays Charlotte, like they're going to win those two games by like a six goal difference. Like, I don't know, let's see. Like, but I don't know, man, like you could try to talk yourself into it. And again, you the defense, weird things happen in sports. That's the only case. It's like, yeah, weird things happen sometimes. Well, we just we'll see what happens when perspective on on Red Bulls here in Atlanta. It's like I feel like Red Bulls can beat anybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, the, the like, greatest <laughs> team of all time, the New York Red Bulls. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as Kamar Lawrence is playing. Well, look, this is a big one for the nerds. Early or excuse me, New York's entire playoff run is a big one for the nerds Dude. in particular. They have put together underlying numbers all year. Unreal. Been among the best in the league. It doesn't They're, make any sense. Expect the goal differential like third, fourth, fifth, depending Be- on where you look in, at Best it. in the league. I, I, was, I was talking to John Mueller about this, who's yeah. you know ex- much, much smarter than me, which it's not not a not a great thing to hang your hat on, but he is. Um, <laughs> and he, he like told me that on decision day. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, dude, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. I was <laughs> like, I know that the defense is good, so I figured that, but I was like, I don't see them creating chances ever. Like, what are you talking about? So it's that's crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, that, for, for as glowingly as we've kind of talked about Atlanta United's attack, uh, the Rebels are, have generated about two less expected goals than Atlanta United. No way. Yeah. Oh yeah. my <laughs> God. So that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, none of it makes any sense, but the numbers keep telling us it. we're all wrong. And so I tend to kind of veer towards what the numbers are telling me. And I'm just mm-hmm. saying, I'm not counting it all out. I'm not counting them out completely at the same time. SCC heavy, heavy, heavy favorites okay. to advance against anyone that comes out, especially if it ends up yeah. being Charlotte FC, I think. So it, anything else to add there besides, holy crap, since you're real good? No, yeah. Again, just weird things happen in the playoffs sometimes. And I guess, like, if we're going narrative stuff, like, since he went to Red Bull Arena and beat the Red Bulls in round one last year, so maybe mm-hmm. there's some uh, there's some revenge on the line. But, again, I don't I don't think so. But, again, Red Bulls have to beat Charlotte. That, like, yeah, <laughs> far from a guarantee. Right. That <laughs> uh, final matchup here in the East. It's one that also feels relatively straightforward, considering if we're going off numbers, vibes, whatever you want to talk about, Philadelphia. Uh, taking on New England Union and New England. Now that I say it, both struggling a lot over the last few weeks here. Since League's Cup, I think both teams have won only three games. Somehow the vibes for, feel way worse for New England, though, who have lost their manager, lost uh, their starting fullback, lost Ellen Barrero. None of it seems great right now for either team, but New England seems way worse off. Yeah, but the, the confounding, and, and they are, but the confounding thing is Philly just played New England on decision day and New England won yep. like that. They should have won. It wasn't, it wasn't a lucky game. It was, it was, they played better and they deserved to win pretty easily. Right. Like from, and again, I didn't watch minute one through minute 90, but the, enough that I watched, I feel pretty confident that it doesn't, it, again, it doesn't make a lot of sense, man. Like I'm still very easily leaning on Philly and, and, but I have been most of the second half of the season, right? Like I don't, I thought that they'd be where Orlando is. I thought that they would have started separate. They, they started slow when they were dealing with CONCACAF Champions League, which made a lot of sense. Then there was, then they got the, um, they looked really great at the beginning of League's Cup. I'm like, all right, they're, they're fully back now. And then they weren't. And then they had a little break at when League's Cup was finishing up. It was like, all right, like this will get them right. And they just haven't hit their 98 mile per hour fastball. It's just, mm-hmm. it's like getting close. It's like, ah, oh, like 
it looks sharp. It's not ever really quite there. Like they haven't put together like that little dominant stretch, like even one game stretch, to be fair. Like there's, there've been some moments with nothing that's like, Oh, Philadelphia Union are back. And again, like, it's like looking at Nashville. You look at all the pieces and, and you look at, yeah, I can see it. I, I've seen it happen a bunch of times in the past. This is how they're going to win. This is how they could win. And a lot of it just ends up being in theory because they haven't put that form on the field, right? Like, and again, like I, I think that they should be pretty handedly favorites over New England. I'm, I'd go as far as to say it'd be disastrous if, if the Philadelphia Union lose mm-hmm. to New England in this first round. Like, like you laid out everything. The refs have been straight up bad since the combination of Bruce Arena and George Petrovich leaving. And in that time, they lost Brandon by as well. This, like, they're, the the new goalkeeper they signed turns out either isn't very good or is somehow still lacking fitness to play goalkeeper after being here for a month and a half or whatever it is. Like, there's a lot of weird, weird things in New England. The best thing that they've got going for him, them outside of Carlos Hill, is Thomas Chonkalai, their on lone winger. He's mm-hmm. awesome. He's, like, he's a lot of fun. So let me let me walk you back a little bit from disasters that Philly don't get out of this, but, like, if the Philadelphia Union come out of the season with a, a first round loss in the playoffs, finishing fourth, the CCL semi, like I, no, no, no real run in the league's cup. If you told them that on February 1st, they'd be like, no, nah, like it'll be a better season. So yeah, I, I think it'd be, it'd be really, really bad. In my head, the Union feel like a Formula One driver who keeps getting into fender benders on his way to the grocery store. Like the really easy <laughs> stuff has just become so boring for them. I feel like that they aren't paying attention and, you know, maybe aren't as sharp. It feels like they've been waiting for the big That's- moment at the end of the year. But I'm kind of wondering, like, if they've wasted so much time waiting for it, if yeah. they're going to be able to get up and be ready for it. Yeah. And look, yours, your uh, analogy was going to be is much more entertaining and much better than mine. But a, a, a half serious soccer point is that to play this style and to have so many of the same mm-hmm. core pieces if you lose three to 5% on whatever your A plus is on a consistent basis, that three to 5% when you're a high pressing transition team is disastrous. It's dire. It's, it's what separates you from being, you know, tied for the supporter shield last year and then kind of middling in the playoff race this year. Like they never got into the shield race. They never, they never got into the league's cup run, like right. All this stuff where they, they go from, Oh my God, I think this is the best team in MLS to Yeah. They're pretty good. And like it's just that three to five percent because those are the margins when you play this style, and it's really, really hard to play this style for years at a time with the same players. It's harder. It's harder to wake up at five a.m. and silk sheets, man. <laughs> <That's> exactly, right. <laughs> exactly right, Tom. We got to move on to uh, your Q and A session over on patreoncom final. But real quick, thoughts on the West? Who's coming out of there? Anything stand out? I'm ho- I'm Do, talking. Can about they beat anybody in the East? That's that's like, it's funny, man. Like, what is it? Philly and New England, fourth and fifth on 55 points. They host MLS Cup against everybody but St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I, I just spent 10 minutes shitting on New England. <laughs> like, they can host MLS Cup if they get there. Like, that's, like, that's, my, that's actually the storyline I'm now rooting for. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Arena. Like, if, if they get close yeah. to winning Bruce, I don't know what he's going to Cut the power of, of the stadium. <laughs> yeah, it just can't happen. Um, Houston, like, I think, like, they have a legitimate chance, man. Like, that midfield trio is unreal. Yeah. Like, they have a couple. Like, I thought Artur was cooked when they traded for him. I was completely wrong, man. Like, it's been awesome to see him, like, himself again. And he's the third best player in that midfield. Like, Coco Karaskia won a uh, golden ball at, at the Gold Cup. Hector Herrera has been Again, better than I, I think. Honestly, even people in Houston who were the most excited about, like they had to challenge them in the offseason. Like, 
like hey like you sucked last year and not only that but you didn't care and like you, that needs to change this year like they like went they went at him directly and was like it wasn't good enough straight up it wasn't like oh we'll make excuses for you you're a dp we don't want to like we like they challenged him he bought into it he's an atletico madrid guy of course he did um so it's been <laughs> it's been awesome and that midfield trio man like i'm all in on that like they don't have they don't have the Danny Bawanga or the guess, Nigo Ladero or the Chicho Rango or Ryan Gold, like the best attacking player. They're never going to have it. Hell, like again, Polito, Christian Espinoza, and um, Jesus Freire, those are the bottom three teams in the playoffs. Those, those are all better individual talents than any of the front three in Houston. Mm-hmm. But that midfield trio, dude, like, I don't know. Like, again, I'll feel stupid if they lose one nothing because Chicho Rango scores an incredible goal and Houston just doesn't have anything like that. But like, man, like, I'm all in on this team. Is Chicho good? <laughs> it's pretty good. No, I He's mean, like, though. yes, that. That's what oh, I mean. That's is he... well, you're just doing a bit here. <laughs> is it... No, I don't know. Besides, <laughs> no besides the literal interpretation of that, the figurative, <laughs> good. You that was good, a good man? Question. Chicho. And, like, dude, the thing, hey, 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 I'm no doctor, as you can tell by right. just listening to me talk for two sentences. Hamstring injuries don't go away with anything yeah. other than rest. Like, it's not like an ankle yep. where you wrap it up and you hope that you don't impact it again. Like, that. Like, I don't know, even Pablo Mastorani, like, when the injury first happened, like, before decision day, and he was being asked, like, and coaches will always do the right after the game, you know, we got to run more tests, we don't know, whatever. And he was just like, coming off for hamstring injury, that's never good. That's all I got to say. Like, you know, (laughs) it wasn't like, hey, we'll figure it out, we'll keep you updated. He was like, no, it's not good, this sucks. (laughs) I think Houston's a fun pick. I think Houston's, like, the morally valiant pick. Like, it's really (laughs) great to see this group come together as a collective and do all these amazing things. I worry about their lack of match winners, and I'll, I'll just say right yeah. at the top um, that I, Seattle low-key feels like a horror movie villain to me right now that's just been oh. kind of lurking in the background this entire time. Um, <laughs> I think I did my full they've bracket. Got like a, they've got like a scar, they've got like a scar near their eye. Yeah, they're <laughs> like. gonna they've been lurking the entire time. You know they're there. Dude. They could pop out of the shadows at any second. I think and, I, and you I know, think I picked them to come to the MLS Cup. You know what else they have? They have hashtag one last ride with Nico exactly. and Raul. Like, right. Right. come on, man. You it's got, uh, what, Jordan 98 vibes right now. It, it, it's kind of <laughs> scary. It's kind of scary. Let's do another documentary. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, keep that in mind. Go ahead and join the uh, the daily kickoff fail bracket, by the way, if you guys haven't, dear listeners. Uh, the newsletter due for MLS, we're doing a bracket where the goal is to get every game wrong. Lowest points wins. Good luck to everyone. <laughs> Good luck to everyone. Uh, Thomas, where can folks find you before we shift to our Q&A session over on patreon.com slash five final? Uh, the Athletic, that's, and you know, I'm still terminally online Twitter, trying to get better at being on Blue Sky and Instagram and threads and everything else, but I can barely handle one one social media. So just somewhere, somewhere in there, just follow me everywhere. Who knows? Sweet. I'm sure, I'm sure they would never find a, uh, a, a non-Tom Bogart account on any of those <laughs> platforms. <laughs> just... Just search Tom Bogert and follow the first one that pops up. <laughs> the one with the same seven pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone made one where the avatar is just Tom Selleck? Because if they haven't. That'd be a good bit. I, I think like that'd that be idea. good. Yeah. Get on you, it, guys. That, this part better be behind a Patreon because that that's too good of an idea to give <laughs> for the free part of the podcast. We'll edit it. We'll edit it in post. <laughs> Uh, Tom, folks had a few questions for you here, largely about Atlanta United, of course. Uh, Pineda at 17 says, how do you feel about Gonzalo Pineda now that he has a team that isn't garbage, and how is he perceived around the league? What tier do folks around the league consider him? 